Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. I love it, man. Every single time. It never gets old to me. How are you, man? Good, man. How are you doing? Ah, I'm here, man. We got some news that we get to talk about. Six yeah, we it's man, I actually miss remember the old days where we used to do like three a week? It was so yeah. fun. Yeah. And that was when like we were getting like free agents and there was so much happening. Uh, yep. and then we just went to every week and it was kind of a downer because every week we just had to talk about losing. Losing, I know. Happening, so. I know it, man. So at least we get to talk about like new happenings, right? Even if it's yeah. not exactly how you want it, it's still something new. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we don't know everything. I mean, I like to think we know everything, but maybe we don't know everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like we, we got uh, a lot of life to do. Uh, so let's uh, you just jump right in and talk yep. about uh, we, we hired Dan Morgan. Are we promoted Dan Morgan or one of those things? Um, So I have this, I, I feel like you you get to be the expert 99% of the time on this, uh, (laughs) on this show, but this is actually something that I do for a living. And I go through these processes and these processes are starting to feel like a little icky to me. Mm. Uh, No pun intended with the, (laughs) Uh, it just feels kind of gross. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of, uh, what I, what I do with what my experience has uh, been in these situations. So a couple of jobs ago, I used to work for Amazon and I worked on, um, the grand challenge team. So grand challenge is, uh, was like a confidential, confidential initiative for like every new product. So every new product that Amazon's built has come through that team. You think like Alexa, fire stick, uh, Whatever, whatever has been um, made has gone through that team and they keep it yeah. out of everyone knowing uh, what it is. Um, so all our things pre-launch are NDAs. You can't know about it. So it's really hard to find talent for, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly it's hard to find talent because it, this doesn't exist. Um, so I can't really go into detail of what we were building because a lot of it hasn't launched yet. Um, but just take, for example, uh, just say a Tesla, right? Say you're, you're making te- you're, there's a, there, there's already a Tesla out there, and you're mm. building its competitor, and the com- and you have competition. There's a Tesla, and then you're Lucid, Apple Car, uh, what Ford, whatever, whatever, right? So you have really big competition, right? And something happens with Tesla, and they have to do a thousand layoffs. So you have all these people, and it's your job to identify the top people but also keep them from the other competition. Right. Right. So what you would not do, what we did not do is, you know what, we're going to take a step back. We're going to, you know, take our time on this. We're going to like, uh, you know, find the best available candidates and, and, you know, hire them. It's like, no, you want to, you want to do that expeditiously, expeditiously. So mm-hmm. the other, the competition doesn't get those people. Right. Right. that's that's the logic of it um so i'm taking that that experience that i had right so that's just one story you can already see where that's going right right so then there's another story or every i I worked at several large companies and worked with executives and everything that people say about it being kind of like either a boys club or being like, um, uh, is it about who, you know, is mostly true. Um, 
And every big company lately has, you know, had their DEI initiatives uh, because they want to show that they're interviewing a certain number of minority candidates, uh, women candidates. Um, and a lot of times it's BS, right? Mm -hmm. So I've literally had executives come in and say, I'm going to hire this person from here, but we have to go through this process. So it's literally just wasting people's time because we have to show that we're taking the, the we're, we're finding the best candidate and not just people's friends. Mm, um, yep. so you're, you're basically, and it's icky. It really is icky. Um, yeah. and every now and then you find a diamond in the rough and you're like, Oh, well, man, this guy is actually really good. Or girl is actually really good. Um, but most of the time you're just doing it for optics and you hire that person. And right. that's happened. That's happened to me 25 to 50 times. So a, a lot, way more than I could count times. It's that's just how it is in, in the world. Now I'm not saying everybody's like that, but more than you would think. Um, right. And, and then my last little story is that we have, I worked, I worked agency side uh, before and we were tasked for CTOs from hedge funds. So hedge funds are very, very, everybody knows everybody, right? That's, they, if you're hiring a CTO or a CEO or any kind of chief, if you offer it to somebody, everybody knows that you've offered it to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. So it's our job as a consultancy to find out if that job gets offered, is that person going to take it? Because if they don't, it's, it's embarrassing. It makes you look like you're not as good as the, the other opportunity that the person took. It kind of is like a, a social status kind of thing or like kind of right. a, a status uh, thing. You don't want to look like you, it's just embarrassing that somebody just yeah. takes another job over yours. It's, it looks like you're lacking and it mm -hmm. makes your, your company as a whole look kind of lower than less than. Right. Right. Um, so, it's, so I told all those stories, you can kind of see where they all go. Right. We, came out and said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to be diligent about this process. We're going to take our time. It makes absolutely no sense to take your time. It literally doesn't. Absolutely. You look at Callahan. Callahan was theoretically one of our, our, our people that puts a even bigger clock on you that, cause they took away one of your four finalists. Right. Mm -hmm. So now you only have three and now you're like still, we're still going to take our time. Makes no sense. It really doesn't. Right. Two is the, yep. Sometimes you already know who you're going to take and you're just going through the process. And if you're not doing the logical thing and in <laughs> stepping up and, and uh, finding it quickly and you're like, we're going to take our time and that's how you're selling it. Kind of feels like you already know what you're going to do. Right. And three, another story at the consultancy. I feel this is the biggest reason we hire a consultancy is for them to tell us if Ben Johnson, no matter what we do, if there was anything possible to get him to take the Panthers job. And he said, no, because mm -hmm. I don't think an agent is never going to give us that information because the agent wants all that leverage. They want right. everybody to want their guy. They, so they're not going to give us that information. I think the consultancy figured it out. They let them know. 
we backed off Ben Johnson, and now we're going with our basically our plan B, and that's when the Morgan hire came down. And I, I personally think they already know where they're hiring because they don't seem to have any kind of they're, – they're not, they're not moving quickly enough to seem like they want to find the right person right? and, or, and being scared that somebody's going to take their, their guy. Right. So it kind of feels like there's a deal in place already. And all of that, I think, is very likely – and it makes me feel pretty gross about the whole situation. And I just want to give that out because I think it's a perspective that people aren't talking about. And it kind of is, is kind of the conclusion that I've come to based on my experience in this field. Yeah. Do you have any feelings towards that? Does that make sense to you? I, I, I wonder if it's just me now that I broke that all down for you. No, no, it makes sense. I, I think that the key parts of all of that is the timing of the um, Mike Disner removal from the equation. Um, he was the Lions general manager candidate, or not? he's not their general manager, but he's our candidate that we were interviewing for the general manager position here. And a lot of people pointed to him and the combination with Ben Johnson as, as a likely um, selling point to bring him in and all that kind of stuff. And once he removed his name, is also when it seemed to ramp up the process of Dan Morgan gaining steam. So it's very possible that Dan was always a contingency plan for Disner if Johnson wasn't into it. But I also think that it's entirely possible that the whole process still wasn't authentic like you're referring to, right? Like that they went into this and that David Tepper gave stipulations and, and parameters that had to include Dan Morgan. We heard mm -hmm. that it was Dan Morgan, Cole Spencer, and um, Jim Caldwell were involved in the head coaching interviews, the, whole, the entire process, along with Nicole Tepper, David Tepper, and Mike Ford for Sportsology. Um, so I, I think that there's enough there that makes it seem like Tepper already had his mind made up that he was going to keep certain people in certain positions. He was going to elevate certain people in certain positions. And that just really muddies up the integrity of that yes. search. Um, I think it's an astute point that you say that maybe the consulting firm was almost used more as like this buffer between Tepper getting more egg on his face for being denied and turned down from some of these top people. Um, because that's the perception when this all this started is that we were going to be shunned by the coveted prospects and candidates because of the fact that we're a dumpster fire, um, <laughs> you know, and it, that's a yeah. perception at least. Like I, yeah. I, yeah. I, and I think it's a fair perception because of everything that's happened. I think that some of the, um, some of the hate for David Tepper is a little bit sensationalized just because I think maybe people thought he was brash and, and just not doing things the way that they wanted to. But some of the moves make sense, right? Like getting Fred of Frank, right, man, that's not impatient to me. Frankly, yeah. it was a, a bad situation. Um, but it's a really interesting point, man, with that consulting firm. Were they a buffer? And was it really to get answers without having to make it public knowledge? And that's also why they're moving on from Ben Johnson is either he could have said, no, thank you. Or they could have just gotten that feel from the consulting firm that, hey, look, he's not going to do it. And he's going to go somewhere else. He'll allow you to continue on talking with him. And he'll keep using that as leverage in his own situation yeah. because he can still do that with the commanders and say, well, look, man, you know, I've got big Tepper back there and he's just. He is trying his hardest to give me $35 million a year to coach his team. 
So like, I, I like your situation better. I'll take 20, you know, like yeah. there's every reason in the world for him to continue that line of communication. And the reason and the way that it seems like that has halted now, it does give me reason to believe that we were either told that that's not going to happen or we got that insinuation. Right. Mm. Um, and it kind of almost feels that way with the Bobby Slowick thing. Like there was some momentum with Bobby Slowick. There was a lot of people saying that he was a really big candidate for us. And now we've got this list of potential guys that we have second interviews for with the head coach. And none of those big names are on them, right? Like we didn't request Mike McDonald. We didn't request Ben Johnson. We didn't request Bobby Slowick for second interviews. All of the people that we are requesting and, and are going to meet with really feel like consolation prizes. Um, now they're doing kind of what you're saying though, from a PR standpoint, and they're not presenting them like consolation prizes. They're presenting them like they're finalists that have mm-hmm. made it through the ringer of David Tepper and Nicole Tepper's vaunted interview process, and they've earned the right to be the second interviews, right? Yep. That's how they sell it. And that, and I get it, man. Like I, I don't have a problem with trying to make the optics look as favorable as you can for the Panthers. I'm a Panthers fan. I want us to not look like schmucks. <laughs> you know? like I, that's cool for me, too. Um, but I think a lot of it is ego. It's Tepper's ego. And we could go ahead and get into our, our feelings on the Dan Morgan promotion because I think that the, all of that ties into it, right? Like, Do you mm-hmm. have a problem with the fact that Dan Morgan was um, promoted from the regime that was just responsible for one of the worst stretches in Carolina Panthers football history. Yeah. I mean, I, it's the same thing. I don't think that we did a thorough interview. We, the fact, the fact that we knew this, David Tepper knew that Frank Reich was gone a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. The BS of, you know, we're going to take our time. You didn't start doing your homework on it six weeks ago. Like, right. what? why are we supposed to believe it? Like, why, right. why should anyone believe that? That you had all this time and now you just, the season's ended and you learned something new these past mm-hmm. six weeks that you didn't already know. So mm-hmm. now we can finally start the, it just, it's just total, total bull. And right. it, it worked. We all we all did it. We all accepted it. We I came on this podcast with you last week, and I, I accepted it. Um, and it just it was just the, the the Callahan and Morgan hiring at the same time are the two things that made me pause. Right. Because usually, if you have four finalists, and that's what it was, it was Evero, Morris, um, Canales, and um, Callahan. As far as yep. those are the only people like with second interviews, correct? Confirmed, right? Yeah, confirmed, correct. Uh, yeah, because you know uh, the, the people that don't work for the NFL, they don't have to disclose that. Um, so, so yeah, they Vrabel, Belichick, they could all be. I don't, I don't think so, but they could be interviewing Vrabel, especially because we saw those odds uh, mm-hmm. jump for him. Um, but the fact that those happened at the same time, and we kind of just didn't react. The fact that Cap, like. You have four and one's taken away. You're not worried that another one's going to be taken away or another right. one. There's a lot of jobs open. You're not worried yeah. at all. You're not, you're not, you're not putting a little pep in your step of getting these guys in. It's starting to feel that it's already done and that we're just kind of falling for it. Um, and I, yeah. I, I missed it. Yeah. And I think that that's the main point about coming to the realization that these top candidates likely gave us the heads up that they're not coming here because they've narrowed their search 
before they're even able to do in-person interviews with the top candidates, right? Like they can't, they can't even do an in-person interview with Ben Johnson yet. They can't even do an in-person interview with Mike McDonald or Todd Munkin yet. And these are, these are coaches that, and you know what though, man, I still think that Todd Munkin is, is legitimately in play, but, and maybe that's why they haven't come out and announced the head coach with the GM at the same time. Maybe they don't have it narrowed down to one specific coach. Maybe they don't well, they know gotta, who they are going to hire. They got to get a uh, um, Morris Nevero in, right? I don't think they've interviewed yet. They don't have done their in-person yet. That'd be Rooney rule. They, they can't hire. Anybody. Yeah. 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 They've got to do that. Well, I, and I still mean like, even if they, even when they satisfy the Rooney rule, um, yeah. even when they go through that process, I still wouldn't be surprised if they're holding out this little bit of hope that, Hey, look, let them go through this weekend let them play these conference championship games. Maybe there's a change of heart depending on what happens. Maybe somebody is interested in taking a head coach job that they weren't before. It's a really big if, but I also don't think that there's a risk of missing out on Dave Canales because you're waiting on Mike McDonald. And yep. if you do miss out on Dave Canales, look, man, this is nothing against Dave Canales. I like him. I think he's a really good head coach candidate. I, he's probably a year too early. Maybe not, though. I mean, he was with Seattle for 14 years under Pete Carroll. <laughs> and you love those kind of guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that stuff, right? Like, it's it's fine. Um, my, my issue is, though, like, and I said this last time that we recorded, it's just impossible not to call these guys consolation prizes or second-tier or third-tier yeah. candidates. And so I'm disappointed that we did what we did with the general manager process and that we're doing a very similar process with the head coaches from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. I, I made my feelings known on Dan Morgan, <laughs> at, you know, last episode we talked about it and I said, just name me the one thing that you can point to specifically that was a knockout home run decision of anybody in that front office in the past three seasons. And I'll, I'll attribute it to Dan Morgan, right? Like just name mm. the one that was a home run and I'll just give it to Dan. Even if he didn't do it, we can attribute it to him. And we just can't even point to the knockout home run one. Like you, you can't dude. Mm. There's not one. What, I mean, what are you going to say? Johnny Hecker, Xavier Woods, probably the most impactful free agent signing since David or since Dan Morgan was here and his capacity as the assistant general manager. You can't talk about the Frankie Louvu edition. He, that was before Dan was hired. Um, but you also can't blame him for the Sam Darnold fiasco because that was before Dan was hired. Right? Yeah, like he wins for not being here at that time, but he loses too because that's one of the best things and then one of the worst, right? Mm. Um, but you just look at the moves that were made, man, and it's hard to sell to me that an outside consulting firm came in and said, "Hey, that guy that you had in place as assistant GM, I think that he's got something special to him, man. I know that he was directly involved in all this sucking." But I think he might actually be real good. Maybe they did say that, man. A lot of people like to point to John Lynch with the 49ers because Sportsology worked with them back in 2017 as well. John Lynch didn't have any experience. John Lynch didn't just come from a front office that was involved in the one of the worst stretches of football in that franchise's history. That was a out-of-the-box thinking um, candidate that they brought in, that they recommended. And the 49ers bought into it. They listened to the advice and they bought into it. And now where I think the sportsology is having a real impact and that David Tepper is listening to him is with the reconstruction or the restructuring of the front office, of the jobs, yeah. the titles, yeah. the, the division of work 
that really checks out to everything that I've read about sportsology mm-hmm. is that they believe in the clear identified jobs and splitting up the responsibilities to cater strictly to that person's proficiencies. Right. Right. And then yeah. it, and it, it develops a direct accountability when there are issues. So it's mm-hmm. collaborative, which is the word that they love to use last time, but it's not collaborative in a sense of too many voices, too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Because each cook is cooking separate dishes. They're in individual stations. Yeah. They're not all cooking the same thing and trying yeah. to do it their way and feeling like their product is better. It is individual stations to make an entire meal. Yeah. That, I have no problem with that. That makes a lot of sense to me. And if Dan Morgan is hired as the football operations guy and he's supposed to be the block between Tepper and the football process, in theory, I can support that 100%. I will wait until I see it in action before I sit here and say he did it. He actually took a step back. I, I see the exact opposite. I see this as Tepper's fingerprints all over all of this again. Um, retaining Cole Spencer, nothing against him. Seems like a really good dude. He was the director of college scouting and our drafts in the past three years have been atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. The jury is still out on some of them, but the immediate returns have sucked badly Mm -hmm. and you can't ignore that. And I don't know why you would continue to keep somebody in a capacity and with that history, it's very similar to Dan Morgan. I just don't understand what we're doing with that. Now they keep Adrian Wilson. Adrian Wilson wasn't part of that Scott Fitterer crew. Adrian Wilson was brought in in 2022. It's completely separate from, or at the end of 22, I think completely separate from Fitterer and Morgan and Samir Suleiman, who today was notified that he would no longer be working for the Carolina Panthers. I think we all knew that was coming with the hiring of Dan Morgan and the conversation around they're going to continue exploring bringing in a cap guy or salary management, just a more of a numbers analytics type of guy. And Dan will be the head of the personnel department. I Yeah. You're not going to keep Samir, right? If you're yeah. looking to hire Brant Tillis, who is the favorite right now, that's the name that Joe person has brought up multiple times. It's the name that has gained most steam. He interviewed three years ago for the general manager position. Um, which I think is also really interesting that Tepper is going back to these guys that he wanted three years ago and he's still bringing them in and they're still the front runners, right? Like we talk about like the odds on some of these sites for head coaching candidates. Kellen Moore is still up there as a dominant number one. And and maybe that's a, a misstep in the, in the putting the odds up. But what if it's also just a, Hey, look, Tepper has his ways. He likes his people. We're going to bet on him trying to go back to that same. Well, because he was enamored with them the first time, right? We got yeah. this idea he was enamored with the Philadelphia Eagles process. Alec Hallaby is not going to be involved. Um, we don't have <laughs> Brian Johnson is not involved, right? So, I mean, there's just a lot. Yeah, did that just switch? Yeah, we just switched places. There's a couple of things, man, that just that still feel very Tepper-ish. And so I'm not completely buying into this sportsology thing. And, and I wonder what their reaction will be after all of this. If there's any kind of statement of, yeah, it was a pleasure to work with Mr. Tepper. Um, we weren't as involved as we usually were, but it was still a learning process for everybody. You know, some sort of yeah. politically correct statement that also gives a little bit of light on the fact that they didn't get to do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's So I'm equating everything back to not football in a business. First point. 
of course you need to split that job up. Think about how hard uh, right. NBA GM's job is, and they got twelve guys on the roster. Yeah. Like, and they have uh, uh, they don't have a hard cap. Like we have a, they, they have a hard cap in the NFL, and we have a fifty three man roster, practice squad, and then everybody you bring in for training camp and all that. It's insane that one person does that. So I feel like of course you got to separate uh, separate that um, and. Two, I'm starting to, I think we got to get rid of, like, some of these guys that have been a part of this culture of new guy in a, um, fire Joe Brady, bring in McAdoo, get rid of Wright, like, bring in Thomas Brown, Thomas Brown is gone, and then this this revolving door of all mm-hmm. these coaches, it's got to be wearing on these guys as yep. far as just the incompetence of having just like I, i'm kind of getting on like let's just bring evero back just so we have some sort of consistency going on so these guys don't have to come in learn a new full playbook and a new coaching staff and like this whole new thing all over again because i just feel like it's starting to to wear on these guys as far as like i what's new like what how how do we change this anything what, what how are you going to motivate me to be i'm just i'm just i feel like they're just defeated mm-hmm. it feels like we might just need a whole like re get rid of everyone and bring every like so many more people back in because for that now <laughs> yeah, i just like I mean, no, i'm not talking about i'm not talking about coaching staff i'm talking about players because i feel like yeah. if we're talking about dan morgan let's look at his order of business right number one brian burns extension we completely fumbled that i also think that um um uh, Brian Burns is at fault there too. I, I, I think that he didn't understand his market and didn't understand the consequences of not having a deal done. Um, and I think that a lot of that was his agent. He also didn't realize what the free agency looked like. He didn't know he's going to have to go against Josh Allen and free agency or, um, Hunter, or, you know, a lot of these guys coming out as free agents. And not only did he do that, his market is significantly down from, from where it was, so he doesn't have a lot of options. We, I, I don't see a team giving significant draft capital and giving the price tag that he wants to move. But does he play on the tag? Like he already was scared to get injured when he was like, uh, um, when he was on his normal contract. Mm-hmm. Now you go into actual free agency after after your tag. I mean, I guess we could tag him again, right? Get two tags. Um, but I, I think that either he's just gonna have to suck it up and and take a smaller deal than he wanted or we're gonna give him an incentive deal he's gonna have to hit his incentives to make his money and we're gonna trade him at a deadline those are the things that i think uh what do you think we do with burns well and so see i think that i'm on like the almost the opposite side of the spectrum when it comes to the initial bungling of brian burns and his market and not understanding what his market is I think that Brian Burns was the one that did understand market at that time. I think that the Carolina Panthers messed up and did not identify and recognize his market at that time. The minute that the Rams offered those two first round picks, that, we Brian, Burns was, Brian Burns was an elite edge rusher from a market standpoint. I'm not talking yeah. about performance on the field. I'm not talking about any of that, but from the value that somebody else determined him being worthy of, he was an elite edge rusher and we needed to see that right then and take advantage of the fact that he was in house. He had a year left on his contract. 
and the market had not been reset from Bosa. There was a real window to get a deal done that was over the amount that you would have thought he was worth and still come in under the amount that you're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if, if Sport Track says that he's worth $21 million a year right now when he was worth 25 according to them, last year. Mm-hmm. None of that matters much. What matters is that Brian Burns is going to say, why would I take a decrease? Now, look, the production is fair to point to, right? He had a down statistical year. I think what he would do is just point his finger at the roster, just go across the roster and say, who was my help? Where did I have yeah. any help on the defense outside of Derek Brown, who also had no help? You brought in yeah. Shai Tuttle and Deshaun Williams. But he performed. <laughs> and, you, and, you gave me, and you gave me Justin Houston, who, yeah. I mean, what? Like, I, I literally forgot that we signed him at, at a point in the season because he was injured and out and then went and signed with somebody else for the postseason, right? So there's it, it, there's a, a, a lot that goes into that situation. So I won't blame Brian Burns and say that he did anything wrong. I don't love the fact that he was hesitant to play to avoid injury, even though I understand it. But mm-hmm. it does make you hesitant to anticipate him playing fully and as hard as he can on a franchise tag or without anything more than a one-year extension, right? Or a one-year type of deal. Yeah, like a hunter deal or uh, uh, like what Chris Jones had. Yeah, I think that if you can pay him handsomely for a one-year deal, I think he'll come in there and do his thing because it's betting on himself and he's getting paid and he has a chance for a big contract. Do you know what I mean? It would be an incentive contract. It'd be like, you know, Chris Jones had to get that extra sack to hit a million or whatever. It would be be an incentive contract. We're not just going to give you $25 million to leave. So with Burns, (laughs) though, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Burns, the whole point is that they have to just make a decision. I, I don't really yeah, think it would, that it matters. That's what, what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I don't think that it matters what any of us want at this point. Like, we could give our opinion on it, but I think that they, Dan Morgan specifically, has to come to a hard decision. And mm-hmm. then they have to put that in action right away. Because if you're going to work on trading him, figure out the timing of when you want to do that. Right? Yeah, and you try deadline. to recoup some draft capital. You got to figure out when you want to do that. Identify the teams that are in the market for his kind of services and see which draft picks they have and what you can work out and what you would need to make that happen. Um, next up, I think it's Frankie Lubo and Derek, Derek Brown, right? I think they're 1 billion percent. I think, I think they're more likely to be here in 2025 than Burns is. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I think that that's just because of the mishandling, man. Like you haven't mm-hmm. mishandled them yet. You yeah. have an opportunity to do the right thing by them and not have to smooth anything over. You can just do the right thing. Um, so that's where I would focus right then. And then obviously you've got to take a hard pivot to free agency in the draft, but none of that can start to unfold and and, and form a clear picture until you get those other three, at least figured out. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that you have to have Burns traded or signed or whatever, and then have an extension in place for the other two. You don't have to have those done before you look at the next chapter, but you got to know what you're going to do. You have to know your approach, and you can't go into it and say, well, hey, look, if he has another down year, we just let him walk. Who cares, right? Like, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do no, 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 no. jackpot anymore. You know what I mean? Go yeah. into it with a plan and conviction and, and a vision for how you're going to build the team, because that will also tell you financially what you have available to you. It will tell you where you need to focus in the draft. It, 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 it is the key that unlocks a lot of the next steps, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think... I think he is traded in 2024. Um, and I think it's a possibility. It's 
before the draft or at, on draft day, I think it's most likely going to happen at the deadline because that's when you can get the most for him. But you're risking injury if you do. If you, that is a risk that you're going to have to take uh, for that. Yeah. I just think that he, by his demeanor, he's he's just got to move on. I mean, he is just. I can't. I can't think. Think about like being an employee and being like uh, say, but he's the only Pro Bowler two years in a row that we had. So you come in and you you win Employee of the Year two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And you come out for your, your review and you're excited and you're like, I'm about to get a raise and a promotion. Right. And they say, here's uh here's a, a gift card to Applebee's. And that's what yep. they give you. Yep. And then you're like, I was employee of the year, two years in a row. And I got a right. gift card to Applebee's. Right. I'm, I'm like, you're all, I, I cannot see myself staying at a company. I'm gone. I'm leaving. I did and I think, I think a lot of it does a lot of it still has to play into who the head coach is going to be, right? Because it, let's say that you pull off well, no, I think that it is important though, because let's say that you pull off something spectacular and you bring Mike McDonald in, right? Mm. If you bring in Mike McDonald and he looks over that roster just devoid of superstar talent, of, of premier talent, he's gonna look and identify Brian Burns, Derek Brown, and Frankie Louvu very easily and say, Those are the three guys that I can build this defense with. I can do everything with those three guys mm-hmm. i need them you know what i mean like i need them i'm not getting rid of them we can build all these other complementary pieces around them let's figure out a way to get out of the shy tuttle fiasco let's figure out a way to bring in another young player in the draft that i can use and and that's how you attack that if you bring in a top tier defensive candidate right mm-hmm. and evero may be the same way evero may say look man don't handcuff me and get rid of my best edge rusher it, without it without something coming in return if you want to mm-hmm. say we're going to get rid of him and we're going to sign danielle hunter okay go for it you know what i mean like maybe that ends up working out for you but you also got to win his services and you got to pay the pony to get him is it going to be cheaper or more expensive yeah. to get him I, I know some people think that he's a better player so that's 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 the argument oh right? i don't think so but you're still going to have to pay him a ton of money though yeah and you've yeah. got brian burns in house so if you're going to pay somebody a bunch of money don't you pay the guy that's already broken his back for you and, and worked for you for four years when the franchise sucked? Yeah. Here's the here's the the idea of having that conversation with Burns, right? So you sit him down and you say, hey, if we sign you, that means that we have to we can't re-sign XYZ and we can't bring in XYZ. Mm-hmm. With you on the roster, we had two wins. Right. Why does giving you this money help us win more and not being able to keep these other guys? And that's the, that, and you, and that's the conversation you have to have with your coach and you have to figure out why that didn't help you win. Can we use him in the future to help? Also like, you know what? We had a chance to go to the playoffs and Tom Brady did not see the dirt in the fourth quarter. And through three touchdown passes, why didn't he? Why can, Why wasn't? Why weren't you there when we needed you most to go to the? And, and I don't want to say that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's a conversation you had internally, and maybe even with Brian Burns. Um, and I think he just needs a new. I, I, I and I want that for him. I think he just needs a new place to be. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just like as a person versus right, a Panthers right. fan. I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I just. That's a lot to to yeah. your whole career, your whole first f- four years, uh, five years, and yeah. it just 
that's he, he dealt with a lot and i, I really I, I really want him to have like a mccaffrey like go to a right. organization no i hear you shit together. And, and i don't and i don't want to make this all about brian burns anyways because mm. we're sitting here talking about the new gm and, and what we correct yeah so, anyways right so um, we made those points right we made um because right. we, we were kind of we we have life to do um so yep. brian burns we've got to figure out what that is yep extensions have to be done for brown yep. and luvu before the season season start um and it's your option for JC. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to make a decision on that, but uh, I think you have to give him a fifth year. I think you have to. Yeah. He's too good not to honestly. And, and, and you don't have anything in, in way of uh, an answer or a substitute or replacement of yeah. JC Horn on the roster. So you're going to have to go out. And it's the same thing with Burns. You're going to have to draft somebody or sign somebody to replace him immediately or else you create a giant hole that you cannot afford to create. Um, you also you also lose Yeter, Bros Matos in free agency, and you're losing uh, Marquis Sanders in free agency. So that yeah. that defensive end room is not not. not yeah, as much great. as I wanted Marquise Haynes to um, step up and do it, his injury situation this year really just took him out. And and when he was on the field, he just wasn't healthy enough to produce. And at this point, man, unless he's coming back on a really small team friendly deal, it is what it is with him. Uh, I thought YGM probably earned himself a contract if it, if it's a favorable one too. I thought that he played decent enough when he was healthy that I would feel okay about him being a role player, complimentary player. But I, I, w- I want to pivot away from talking about the players though, and just do our like actual overall reactions to Dan Morgan going forward as our GM. We talked about the process and how we don't love the process. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's important because what we try to do a lot on this show is we try to speak in a way that isn't overly pessimistic and, and looking for all of the negative aspects of everything, right? Dan Morgan is highly respected throughout the league yeah. as a evaluation guy. That's his reputation. I wish that he hadn't have been on this team for the past three years and having a hand. I wish all, all the people would have been on this team. Yeah, the past totally. Years. Me too. Yeah, I wish <laughs> that it was a completely different situation, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to take a lot kind of rah rah to get these guys. Right, going. right. But, you know, I, I think of it kind of like this situation, though, of like when you walk into a house that, that they have pets, right? It smells like pets in the house. Right. Like mm-hmm. no matter how clean of a person you are, there's a distinct smell to a house that has dogs or cats or some kind of animal living in the house. When that animal no longer lives in the house, you can do a really deep cleaning and you can get mm-hmm. all of that out. You can wash that scent away. Right. It'll stay clean as long as you don't bring another animal in the house. Dan Morgan right now has been washed free of that scent, whether it's yeah. earned or not. He has been washed free of that scent right now. As long as he keeps his house clean and animal free, then he's going to be able to ride that clean wave until he can make a name for himself. If he does the same shit that Fitterer was doing, and and if that's because that's where he got his style, that's where he got his information, that's where he learned the ropes of the business, then we're in for a lot more of the same. I am choosing to look at it as his responsibilities have dwindled down to where he is supposed to be very good at it. I will have an open mind, not a trusting mind (laughs) because I just don't trust Tepper. And I think that it would be foolish for me to be very (laughs) right now in this, to be honest, but I will be very open-minded and, and root for the absolute best from Dan Morgan. I don't want him to fail. I don't think he necessarily will fail. I am only skeptical 
about getting here. But now yeah. that he's here, bring in Brant Tillis or bring in, you know, Hallaby, somebody else that wants to do the analytical side of this stuff. Um, and let's get to business. Let's get to work, man. Like that, that's it. We're, yeah. we're Panthers fans. We've got a new GM. Let's hire us a coach and let's get to work, man. Now is the yeah. time to prove it. Yeah. The, the one, the biggest thing that he has going for him is that he's in the club. Like he was a player. Like he yeah. can talk to these players on player level. Absolutely. See, that's it's not only what personnel you bring in, it's also talent management. Right. What when you're talking about negotiations for a new contract and they can they can literally talk to you and say, Come on, man, you've been there. You yeah. know. Like th- like that th- that means so much in my yeah. opinion that somebody can relate to you yeah. and it makes you so much more comfortable saying your frustrations, why things are happening, uh, all this kind of stuff. So I think the talent management portion of it will be significantly better. Personnel-wise, who knows? I have no idea. I don't know what he had his hand in. I have no idea. Um, But I think that the big upgrade is going to be talent management, and I think that can go a long way to what this team badly needs, and that's a culture Mm -hmm. shift of not the Eddie Pinero... Yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't want that anymore. I right. want like I want I want so, uh, Pierce to come in and, and get these guys going. Right, Dan, so with Dan, that Dan in, Campbell. Right, so with that in mind, then let's let's look at the prospective coaches that we mm. can bring in to kind of round out the hiring cycle and round out the composition of this new look Panthers team, right? Because the name that has the most steam right now is Dave Canales, the offensive mm. coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, spent a lot of time with Dan Morgan in Seattle. Uh, I believe that Canales was there since what, like 2009 or something like that. It was like 14 years. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like 14 years under Pete Carroll. Uh, Dan started with the Seahawks in 2010. So, I mean, they shared, oh, they both came in in 2010. I, I remember yeah, seeing that. They, they, shared, they shared a, uh, eight year stretch. Cause I think Dan went to Buffalo in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so they shared an eight year stretch working with each other, made a relationship. The other name that popped up today, um, was Dan Quinn is is still a real contender for the job? What is going on, man? Just because of his connection with the Seattle Seahawks and Dan Morgan. And so here is my here's something that I I wanted to bring up real quickly while we wrap this up with the Dan Morgan hiring too. Though I did I don't want this to be a case of David Tepper identifying Dan Morgan as who he wants and trying to make him comfortable and put the comfortable pieces around Dan Morgan to ensure him success or to give him the best shot at success. I think that that was a backwards way of doing it. I think that if Dan Morgan had earned his right to be here and to be promoted, then yeah, you can do that. But if you're keeping Dan Morgan on for your comfort, you got to bring in a coach that is going to keep everybody in line on their toes and at their highest performance. I think that going and saying Dan Quinn and and Dan Morgan have an aligned vision just because they work together, that vision can't be what we're looking at here, right? Like Dan Quinn's vision cannot be what we think is the best thing for this Carolina Panthers team. I refuse to believe that bringing in a defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn would be smarter than keeping the defensive coordinator you have in his show, Evero, and promoting him to head coach or bringing in Raheem Morris, who was a defensive coordinator with head coaching experience and experience on the offensive side of the ball or going after the big fish of Mike McDonald, right? There is no way you could sell me on those options being worse than Dan Quinn. The only connection that would give Dan Quinn the advantage is Dan Morgan. 
And that gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit because I don't want these decisions being made based off of Dan Morgan. If Dan Morgan can fit in and do his job here, cool, let's do that. But you don't build around Dan Morgan. I think that that's a silly way to go about structuring that front office. And I can't imagine Sportsology would say that. I think that that sounds, again, like a Tepper thing. Um, Canales, though, sorry for getting sidetracked. Real quick, because we got to stay on point here. We talked about Brian Burns for like 20 minutes. That's my fault. Um, mm-hmm. Canales is a fine candidate. He did good work with Geno Smith. He did good work with Baker Mayfield, right? This was his first year as offensive coordinator, and he was calling the plays. Does he call the plays as a head coach? You know, does he come in and try to do the Frank Reich thing where he's calling plays and he's doing head coaching? That's a tall task for a first-time head coach, I think. I think that's a lot to put on their plate. Um, What kind of – and I can't wait to get through this coaching cycle, man, so that we can stop saying leader of men. Can't wait to be done with that. Because I probably won't say that again for months. I don't want to, man. I've said it way too many times, and it's so vague, and you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to quantify it, right? And it's all speculative with these first-time guys. But is Dave Canales a leader of men? Yet to be seen. We'll find out. He has really good reviews on his ability to connect with his players, and and he's he's thought of as a very nice guy. Um, Not sure if that's exactly the the disposition that would work best here. Um, Maybe it is, but I I would like somebody with a little bit more fire to him. Um, Then I look at somebody like Mike Vrabel. And Mike Vrabel is not employed right now by an NFL team, so we don't have to formally request an interview. We saw the odds today. He went from 12-1 to to a 2-1 to coaching possibility for the next head coach of the Panthers. That was pulled, so maybe that's faulty. I don't want to sit there and use that as backup. But let's just use Mike Vrabel anyways, though. This is a proven head coach. This is a guy that played against Dan Morgan in the Super Bowl um, for the Patriots. This is a guy that I think that he would be able to build a staff because of the respect that he has within the league. Oh, yeah. I think that Dan Morgan could be intrigued by bringing him in because of the fact that his leadership style will be more reminiscent to Dan in his playing days of, of, of playing under John Fox than it would be for him to project Dan as a player playing under Dave Canales, right? Like, at least there's something that Dan can look back on during his playing days and say, this is the kind of guy that got the locker room going. This is the dude that had a pulse of of the team. We need that because we don't have that. And we did not have that at all last year. So I do think that that's important. I just don't think it's exclusive to having a smart coach that can bring in a scheme and all that other kind of stuff with them. Um, I, I think that we're kind of tying ourselves to Ben Johnson being out of the running. Yeah, he's, he's out. I, I guess Bobby Slowick is still technically in it and Mike McDonald are still technically in it because we haven't been told no, but they also haven't been requested for a second interview. So that's ominous for me. So looking at it, I think it's Raheem Morris. I think it's Evero. I think it's uh, Canales. And I think it's Vrabel, I think, are the four that I would put out there. And I think that Munkin is still in play, but I just don't know that they're going to wait long enough for Munkin to be a real candidate here. Yeah, I think that you are speaking that we live in a fair world and that we're playing <laughs> by the rules. Yeah. I'm I'm still under under the assumption that we have made that call already. I yeah. think I think based on what we've got on Twitter today, and like that's this is what I'm going by. I'm going by the data that I had. We have been right. quiet, right? That was reported by uh 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 Ian Rappaport. Panthers have been really quiet. There's not a lot of coming out of them. 
all of a sudden, we're hearing there's a lot of traction with, uh, with Canales. He's starting to impress. I think they're leaking that out so they can see the reactions for it because right. they want to they want to make sure that that's the hire that the fans would be behind. So mm-hmm. I, in my opinion, we've already decided on Canales. We have we want to keep Evero by all means possible. I think Evero is going to come back as defensive coordinator. Um, and I think that, sorry, Morris, I think you're just here for the Rooney rule. Um, so I mean, I, I, I don't know, man, I, 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 I feel I bad I saying that, that, but I think I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. I, I would love to live in the world that you live in. Yeah. I, I live in the world yeah. that I live in. And the data that I have is that every, all signs are pointing that we're, 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 we're hiring Canales with Evero being our DC. And I think that news is going to be coming out. By end of week, would be my yeah. Opinion. It's it's very possible, man. Like that's a it's a more I guess um, in line realistic thought process. But I I don't think if if what they're saying about Dan Morgan about him attacking things with the same intensity he did as a player and and being a fiery competitor and not being what we have assumed him to be, which is just a quiet little patsy that sits on his hands and and doesn't want to disturb the flow of things. If he is what they're selling today, right? Like they put up their picture yesterday with Tepper quote. Um, it was da- it was Dan in his full uniform with his giant cranium shoved into this tiny little youth medium football helmet. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of a man. I've got a giant coconut too. Um, oh, dude. But I feel bad but he did. Man. He he had all of his all of his stuff just shoved into that uniform, right? And that and that helmet. And, and they say he's going to attack this with the same intensity he did as a Panthers player. And I know what they're doing. They're trying to hearken up some feelings from they did with yeah. Frank Reich, where yeah. he was our first quarterback and now he's our coach in the most yeah. time. Like, I yeah. know what they're doing. They're tugging at the old heartstrings, and that's fine, man. It's a it's an old trick in the book, right? But mm-hmm. let's just give Dan this moment to be that. And if he is that, then maybe he can say, I want to go through this process, dude. I like Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris is a respected dude. I'm not playing this token, just live by the rules type of deal. What if Dan does have that gumption? Then I would be really happy. I understand the skepticism. I get it. This, as, you're being more optimistic today than yeah, man. I about my unrealistic self all year. You got, you got to be optimistic yeah. about it right now. Because yeah. Right now yeah. is the time where it is literally a blank slate. Now is the only time that it could be a blank slate. Because the minute that they hire a coach, it's not a blank slate anymore. Mm. It's only blank right now while they haven't done anything. I know that they got rid of Samir, but that was just more of a technicality and an inevitable type of move. They haven't done anything. So we can literally look at this and say, he's batting a thousand. He hasn't missed. Like He's going to have a chance to miss a lot. I am going to stay optimistic until he does that. And mm. I think that he can go and give Raheem Morris the respect and opportunity that he deserves. Yeah. I think that he can go and he can give, I think he can pound the table and say, Hey, Mike Vrabel wasn't in here. We didn't even reach out to him. We need to reach out to him. We would be silly to have these real coaches available during this coaching cycle, this premier coaching cycle. We have all these great names available and we didn't even take a shot at some of them because we were worried about our pride, right? Go out there and take a shot on them. And, and let it be Dan Morgan that puts his name on the line. If Tepper doesn't want to do it, let it be Dan Morgan that goes and puts his name on the line. Go out there and say, hey, come and talk to me. Like, I'm going to have final say in this. Tepper is backwards. 
but I know Alex is laughing at me, but I'm serious. I think that you could go out there, and, and if we want to buy into Dan Morgan, and we want to feel good about him, and we want him to be the guy that everyone is fantasizing him being in their head, then go prove it, man. Like, go bring some of these guys in and, and act like a competent NFL franchise. The worst thing that happens is they tell you no. That's something that Dietrich Chart. Oh, yeah, we the don't, worst we thing don't, that happens is they're going to say no. So let them say no, man. You know what I mean? Let them say no, but let them know that we're serious about it and that we're interested. That, that's yeah. just my take on it. And I think yeah. that it's something that they have got to do. And if they oh, don't do it, if they don't do it, man, and they sit here and they hire somebody that they already had built in and, and planned, then we're in for a lot of the same of what we just Correct. Yep. And that sucks. Yeah, it does I mean, I'm going to fool myself until yeah. until I yeah, no, no, right. You you were talking from a very good heart and integrity, and yeah. this is the first time in this entire podcast yeah. where you get to be the one, you know, oh, with yeah. all the optimism and hope. Hey, you played an expert today. I'm gonna and, I, and, I, and, I, and I get to be the, the one that lives in the real world, and so right. I have to bust. bust your my bubble. reality is <laughs> my perception, and my perception is that you still have a chance. <laughs> but I will say, like I said at the very beginning, there are times. When someone comes in and impresses so yep. much that plans change, so yep. there is a possibility that yep. that happens. I would say, based on my experience, when I've been in those situations, that happens some like five percent of the time. Right. So it is a possibility, and I would yep. not be overly surprised if that happens. Right. But I would say. I am 75% sure it's going to be Canales. Right. That I think that we optically it would be very, very nice if it was Evero. Um, mm-hmm. So I would give him about a 15 to 20% chance. And then I think uh, Morris, and I don't think there's anybody else in, in the ring. Um, the Rabel thing that he jumped, there's some, something came with some, somebody came into somebody. There's that just, that just doesn't happen. It may have just been the fact that Dan Morgan could have just reached out. They could have just had communication and Correct. spoke to each other. But yeah. if that's the, and so that's important to me though because if, no, you're right. if no. everyone prior didn't do that and didn't think it was worth exploring that, but then Dan Morgan got promoted yesterday, and all of a sudden the next day these Vrabel odds jumped from twelve to one to two to one. Yeah, no, I'm, it was just a conversation. That's a good sign to me that Dan Morgan might be about that action. So mm-hmm. I would ride that momentum. Let him interview him. Let him talk to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let them go grab a Sam Adams and a, and a lobster. Bowl, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and sit down and talk amongst crew cut linebackers about what could they do to instill some toughness and some heart into the Carolina Panthers. Maybe they have two or three Sam Adams. Maybe they end up hugging it out at the end of the night. And maybe Mike Vrabel becomes the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Man. There's talk about culture stuff. shift, man. That, yeah, that culture would... shift, dude. And then, you know what? Yeah. Bring in some good staff. I just think that we are going to keep the realm of possibility open just for a little bit longer until it's all shut down. Man, I hope you're right. Cause I, I, once I kind of put all the pieces together, it really didn't make me feel gross. Like it really made me feel gross that, that that's the conclusion I came to. And I've tried to look at all these other different ways and that's just what I keep on coming back to. Yep. So I really, really hope I'm wrong, uh, yep. but I don't think I am. All right. Um, so <laughs> let's. Uh, I know we both got to go. Uh, so we will uh, do this probably again when Canales gets hired, probably on Friday. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll come back at everyone around that time. Yeah. But until then, I think we can end it with a keep pounding. Yeah.